We are in part three of our series, Out of the Shallows, and the whole idea of the series is how do you get to the deep part of the Christian faith and follow in Jesus to where it's the most beautiful thing in our lives. And we've said that this is a super helpful series if you're a curious skeptic, like you're skeptical about the faith, you're skeptical about Jesus, but you're curious. This is a way you can dive into the deeper places of who Jesus is, or you're a hungry novice, which means faith is new to you, but you believe, but you're hungry for more, and you wanna grow. Or maybe you're like me, and you're a restless veteran. You've been following Jesus for a long time, but it feels like your faith is just a little bit stagnant at times, and you wanna stoke the fires of what God is able to do in your lives. And what we've said is we wanna turn up three different dials in our life to go to the deep part of the pool in our faith. And if you were here a couple weeks ago, you heard Ryan Holiday talk about this idea of needing to feed yourself, which is a little counterintuitive because sometimes it feels like, hey, I go to church to be fed and the pastor's supposed to feed me and we certainly want to help with that, but there is a place where we need to feed ourselves, like put down the baby bottle and pick up the fork and start you know, devouring who God is through scripture and spending time in spiritual disciplines and learning how to pray. That's how you feed your soul. And then last week, I got the opportunity to talk about this idea of how to work out what God is working in, that when you read or you listen or you worship, it does something on the inside. But there's some practical ways of how to get what's on the inside to the outside and to exercise that. And if you missed last week, we would love for you to go back to lifehousepeople.com and, and watch that message because we gave some practical ways that we can work on the outside what God has done on the inside. And today, to get us going in part three, I, I just want to ask this question. Have you ever ran into those things that you just realized I shouldn't do alone? around the house with my family, by myself. I shouldn't just do this alone. And maybe for you, one of those things is exercising, specifically lifting weights, like this young lad decided to do. You see, this guy, he's all fired up. He's got a whole 120 pounds on the bar. He's breathing right. He starts to lift. He is pumped up, and he is ready, convinced he can do it. And then, oh, no, he can't get it off his chest, the whole 120 pounds. He goes goes to the right role, which you're supposed to do, in obvious pain and suffering because he's doing this alone and it's about to get worse. Because he calls his mama to come help him and lift the weight off his chest. Now moms, we recognize that you are the strongest people in the world, but you do not want to have to call your mom when you're working out, so don't do that alone. Maybe for you, you'd realize, listen, I'm not supposed to help my grandma move out of her house all by myself because you had the grand piano, you're trying to get through the door and down the steps, and you were by yourself, and you let it go, and you crashed the family heirloom. You should never do that by yourself. Maybe for you, it's getting on a ladder like this super dad did. You see, he's on the ladder, which is on a table, which is on a picnic table, three levels. He's got his young son who hands him the rope, but the young son says, I am out of here because dad does not know what he's doing. And of course, this happens as dad is trying to do whatever he is on the roof as the ladder slips away and dad comes tumbling down only to be rescued by the young lad that runs back in. And you know what he says if you're a dad. He says, dad, do you want me to get mom? And dad is like, absolutely not. Call anybody but your mother because she told me not to do this. Put a ladder on a table on a picnic table. Those are things you should not do by yourself. But, but in all honesty, there's probably some bigger things that we shouldn't do by ourselves either. 
Like when you decide to end a relationship that's really meaningful, you probably shouldn't do that by yourself without talking to some people that are trustworthy and wise. Maybe you're thinking about quitting your job, but you don't have a job to go to, and maybe you ought to ask some people, is this a wise thing to do? You shouldn't quit a job by yourself. Maybe it's a big purchase like a house or a car you're going to have to take a big loan out for. Maybe there's some people you can ask, is this a wise way for me to use my money? Obviously, you want to go skydiving for the first time? Don't do that by yourself. You, you want to have surgery and remove your appendix? You're going to want to have a surgeon and a doctor and a nurse helping you. Now, here's what's interesting. We know we need help in those areas. But another place that we are convinced as Christians we need help in and we shouldn't do by ourselves is in our faith journey. Because we believe the faith journey of our lives is best when we invite others into it. Now, maybe you're a man like me and you think, oh, okay, I just started believing in God, Matt, and now you want me to talk about my faith with other people? I'm a dude. I don't need other guys. I don't want to open up. I totally understand your resistance to that. Or maybe, you know, it's with your Christian tradition. You grew up in a church where you came in, you sat down, and your faith was just between you and God. It was so personal and no one ever talked about it and you can't imagine opening up because that's your tradition. Or maybe it's your home or your mom and dad, they never talked about what was going on in their lives or what was going on inside of them. Or maybe you're just a woman. You're like, I'm an independent woman and I don't need anybody to get to where I'm going. I, I totally get that. But here's what you need to know. All throughout the New Testament, all throughout the scriptures, what Jesus taught, is that for us to know God, we need to know him and we need others around us that are on the same journey to get out of the shallows into the deep part of who God is. It's how God created us. Now, interestingly enough, there's this little book, but it's really a letter written to some Hebrew people. In other words, written to people that were Jewish people that had become Christians, and it's called the Book of Hebrews. And we're not sure who wrote it. It might have been the Apostle Paul, but we're not sure. But the letter is all about how do you keep journeying in your faith with each other and with the people that came before you and find God in his fullness and his beauty and who God is because God is beautiful and he wants you to know him personally. And the writer of Hebrews has some incredible things to say about our faith journey. And here's what he says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. The writer says, therefore, brothers and sisters, because this is in everybody's included, which it should be, since, and we'll talk about that word in a second, we have confidence to enter the most holy place, and that's just a reference to the Jewish temple, because for Jewish people, the temple was a really big idea. The holy place, by the blood of Jesus, by, he goes on, a new living, next slide, way opened up for us through the curtain, again, that's part of the temple system, that is his body, and since, there's that word again, we have a great priest over the house of God. Now, now pause for a minute. The reason the writer keeps saying since is because for the last nine chapters, he's been talking about how incredible God is and how God showed up through Jesus and changed the world and offered an opportunity for us to know God personally and his love and his forgiveness. And then he says, since God has done that, this is where you go with your faith. The sense opens us up to an application, and this is the application. He says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Now, I want you to remember this little phrase, let us, and that is not what goes on top of your cheeseburger. It's not that kind of let us. You'll laugh at home when you hear that. Let us is an us thing. 
Let us have faith that brings um, into our lives, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. He goes on. He says, let us, there it is again, hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for who promised is faithful. And he continues, and let us, there it is again, consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And of course, what I'm getting at is the theme of these verses that comes after who Jesus is, is this idea of let us. It's a powerful idea. And I just want you to focus on that for a minute because he doesn't say, hey, you go do this or me go do this. He says, let us go do this. And I think what he's introducing to us is that your faith, which is so important between you and Jesus, your faith needs to have friends. Your faith needs to have community. Your faith needs to have people around you that can spur you on. And so what I want to do is I want to back up and look at those same verses again, and I want to pull out four things that there's a let us do together there. So let's back up to verse 22. It says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. And so the first thing the the writer of Hebrews introduces is, let us do this. Let, Let us draw near to God. Let us pursue God together. Let us chase after who God is because God is chasing after us because there is an intensity that comes when you do faith with other people. It's a crazy thing, but the the fire of your heart for Jesus is stoked around other people. You you may have um, experienced this, man. It's great to put your AirPods in and go for a walk or go for a jog and listen to worship music and it makes your heart beat a little bit better and you've experienced that. I know I have. But there's something when you are in a room with people and you're singing at the top of your lungs and you just feel people's love for God and it just does something for you. And you've missed that. And so, you know, we've done that online, which we're going to keep doing because that's so important. But there's also something of sharing that with people in any way we can. It's a little bit like on your Zoom calls maybe that you've had in your small groups that when you read a scripture together, you've read a scripture two or three times, maybe 10 times, but you start talking about it with someone else and they talk to you about it and they say, hey, what about? And you say to them, what about? And it stirs something in you and it soaks something in you that the scriptures come alive when we do that together. And you know this, there's a consistency in our lives when we do faith with other people. It's a little like exercise. You know, you're doing the HIP program or you're doing the old P90X and you're in week three and now you're tired and you don't want to show up but your buddy's waiting on you. And he says, I'm here so you got to be here. And there's consistency when we do faith with other people because they're like, come on, let's not give up. Let's go together through this. It stokes the fires of our faith. Now, interestingly enough, we have that happening all over our church all the time. And one of the places that happens is in our community groups, our small groups. And I wanted to read you today just a few stories of people that have experienced this kind of let us do faith together. This comes from a, a mom, a wife, and a member of LifeHouse. She says, my husband and I both feel that while our axis in life was tilting a little bit in the last four or five months, we've all experienced that. We had faith and stability in our small group that kept us grounded. We are a new group, but we never wavered and supported each other in uncertain times. And man, can't we all identify with uncertain times? We were all scared and unsure, but every Sunday through Zoom, we had one another. And I love this because obviously some of us don't prefer doing small groups and life through Zoom, but it's happening 
which I've just paused and say, nothing stops what God wants to accomplish in us. Nothing gets in the way when God's people are willing to chase after him. And if you're not a God's person, if you're not a Christian, and you still are trying to chase after God, he will honor that. As a group, we chose to move forward for gatherings this summer, and it's a support of the dream you dream of. Through fostering and moves and job changes, COVID uncertainties, we are a group that's doing life together. My husband and I feel blessed and overwhelmed to be supported during these times that are so tumultuous. Despite not being in the building, we still feel like we're part of our home church, and we're glad to be a part of it. I I read that, and I just went, there it is. That's what happens in the most uncertain times when you do life with other people. Even when you can't come in the building, you still can be the body of Christ. And we want that for you. I want that for me. I want that for all of us. The writer of Hebrews, Hebrews, he goes on. He says, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Now for us, because we didn't grow up Jewish people, that's a little confusing. What he's basically saying is let us come together and defeat sin. Defeat the thing that just ruins our lives. Defeats the things that doesn't let us love our wives and our kids and our friends as well as we should and pulls us away from God. That our hope is that we would move towards Jesus and away from sin and not towards sin and away from Jesus. Let's just go back to that verse for a second. He says, having our hearts sprinkled and cleansed from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. See, if you grew up as a Jewish boy, you would experience walking into the temple and you'd have to do ceremonial washings before you could enter the temple. And then, because we're all sinful people, and I think we'd all agree with that, the priest would slaughter an animal and take the blood and sprinkle it on the altar. And I know that sounds weird and it's something we're not used to, but it represented the forgiveness of their sins. And you see, when Jesus came along and they crucified him on a cross and he poured out his blood on that cross for you and me, he was a fulfillment of the sacrifice and the blood offering for our sins. What it means is when you put your faith in Jesus, or when you do someday put your faith in Jesus, your debt is canceled and you're forgiven. And not only are you forgiven, you're free. Now let me just talk about forgiveness for a minute. You know, forgiveness is this thing where God has just cleared our slate with him. He does not hold our wrongs against him anymore. That's his love for us. And you see, you need to do faith with people because some days you wake up and you went, you go, you know, life's not been good. And it's not life's fault that it's not been good, it's my fault that it's not been good. What I've thought, how I've acted, what I've watched, what I've done, what I've said, I mean, they're pretty dark things. And in those days when you feel like, listen, I'm discounted from God's love, and I must not be a child of God anymore, and I need to run from God, not towards God, you need somebody in your life to look at you in the eyes and go, listen, 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 okay, those were some mistakes, some sinful things, but you're forgiven. You're God's child. He paid the penalty for your sin. You are forgiven. It's so good. But you also need somebody to look at you and go, you're also free. And while you're forgiven, you're free, so you don't have to go back to that behavior again. You're forgiven, but you're free to go live a better life and love better, not go down those habitual roads that hurt you and the people you love. You're forgiven, and you're free. Again, when you you read the stories of the people at our church, I'm just reminded how important community is. Here's another person that said, having a community group 
is like having a safety net through life. A group is always somewhere you can turn when things get tough, when you mess up, when somebody you love messes up, when sin gets you. They are there to talk through the toughest situations, to talk about the messages and applying the Bibles to our lives, but also they're to laugh with fellowship, with those 2 a.m. calls when you just need help, when you have those last-minute get-togethers because you're struggling with life. We've been through great losses, great gains, and life together all because we said yes to join a group many years ago. It's the whole let us move away from what is dark into what is best. And then the writer of Hebrews gives us another thing to think about. He said, let us hold unswervingly, it's an incredible word, to the hope we profess for who promised is faithful. And the idea of doing life with other people and faith with other people is the ability to hold on to hope. And you know this, and I know this, that hard things are all around us. Difficult things are always happening. Either you're in the middle of a difficult thing, you're coming out of a difficult thing, <laughs> or the depressing news, a difficult thing is not too far ahead of you. But when you face those difficult, hard things, the writer of Hebrews says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we have. And you know this, life is a highway, to quote the old song, and it's a highway of job and family and faith, and sometimes your family falls apart, or your job gets terminated, or your faith gets shaken, or, or there's a breakup in a relationship that really mattered to you. Or maybe you're facing someone in your family that right now they're just sick. And you can't figure out why. And you can't figure out why the world is sick. Or, or maybe you realize this pandemic that's in our world, however you feel about it, it is wrecking your life right now. I talked to a young woman not too long ago who just got slammed with this news of infertility and she was just like upside down. It, it's a wandering child that's going in the wrong direction. In those moments when all that happens and we're always facing that, we have the ability to swerve away from God, to move in a direction that would hurt us even more. And we all get shaken. My friends, I can't tell you how many times in the last three or four months as, I've, as we've had to figure out church and what we're doing with this whole craziness, how many times I feel like I wanna swerve in a direction that may not be the best for me, for my family, or for our organization as a church. Because swerving is easy. And, and some of our biggest regrets, some of your biggest regrets are because we swerved away from God, not towards God. But the writer of Hebrews, to stay on this passage, says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope. You know what hope is? That God's still with us. That God's not given up. That God's not gone away. That he is traveling and journeying with us down this broken highway. But we need to be reminded of that. As we profess, for he who promised is faithful. I need people in my life as a pastor, as a human being, as a follower of Jesus for almost 30 years now to remind me, you need to hold on to hope. My guess is you need that too. You need people in that. Let me read you another story. I just enjoy these so much. This person said my tribe. She didn't say her group. She said my tribe. And I thought that was a great way to put it. Through the deep, dark valleys into the big, beautiful sunsets grew in relationship that started with faith at the base and grew into the most beautiful tree. 
but we all grew from each other. We all learned from each other. We had 100% of each other's support all the time. Through births, through sickness, through birthdays, through baptisms, through celebrations, through graduations, even through death together. If I wouldn't have done group, there's no way I'd be where I am today. And this is how she finishes. My heart is full. Now, I can't promise you through our groups at church that you're going to find your very best friend, your lifelong friends. But what we can offer you is an opportunity to connect with other people and do life together when things get hard to hold unswervingly to the faith of the one who we can trust. And then the writer of Hebrews kind of ties us all together. And he says, and let us, there it is again, consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And you know when I read that phrase, let's spur each other on towards love and good deeds, all I can think of is let's change the world. Let's change the world. This is what church was supposed to do from the beginning. This is what church was supposed to be. This was supposed to be we're going to throw open the doors to every hurting person in the world and we're going to love you no matter where you are, where you're coming from, what your background is. We just want you to know that the God of the universe gave everything for you. And here's the thing. For 14 years as a church, I've had a prime seat to watch you all do that. I have watched our people create this synergy around a mission to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ that has put me in a place of awe. And the synergy is this, like when one person starts going, another person follows, and another person joins, and there's this energy that starts to flow, and when one person kind of slips away, they're like, no, 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 come on, come on, stay with us. We're on a mission, we're reaching people, we're reaching kids in Wombaland, and we're reaching kids in Upstreet that they would know God forever. And we're not letting our teenagers drift off and as adults, as parents, as individuals, as singles, we're holding unswervingly to the faith that God has called us to. Here's the challenge. In a season that we've been through, where we haven't been together physically in the building for four or five months, it might be easy to kind of slip out of that synergy and that's why you need people, specific people. I mean, I love having the big crowd that we will have hopefully in a couple weeks um, here. But what I love is when we have people in our lives that are there, whether we meet physically in a church or not. And here's what we found out. I wasn't even going to talk about this this morning. Um, but here's what we found out. That people that didn't already have community in place... When things kind of fell apart in our culture, it was hard to find community. And that's why we need to find community as soon as we can. Because through love and good deeds, we want to change the world. And we want to be changed, not by the world, but by people that are chasing after the same Jesus goals that we are. And so here's what I want to ask you to do as we start moving you know, into August and September. Don't take yourself out of the game. Don't take yourself out of what God's calling us to. I mean, churches change, I know, but still, church is still us trying to figure out how to reach people and love people the best that we can. And now more than ever, the world needs Jesus and his love and his forgiveness. And don't allow yourself to drift. We need you. People need you. But you need people. That's just the way Jesus set it up. And be spurred on to do something for yourself and other people. Which brings me to this question. Who, who's spurring you on right now? Who is spurring you on right now? And if you don't have anybody, don't beat yourself up. Don't feel guilty. I just want to invite you to shift your thinking that we is always going to be greater than me. 
When we're together following Jesus, it's always stronger than us standing alone. I am convinced that that is why when Jesus was on the planet, he was on the planet for three years, he did not create a crowd. Now, he had crowds drawn to him because Jesus was incredible and awesome, but he did not come here to create a crowd. He created a crew. He created a crew of 12 people because he knew that when he left the planet, those 12 people would need each other like they never needed anybody in their whole life because they were going to launch the church. And when they launched the church, they stood and they just looked into the darkness and said, in Jesus' name, we're going to overcome the darkness together. And I think that is the marching orders for the church. It's great to have a big church. It's great to have everybody online and people in an auditorium, but when you have a crew, you can face life together. In fact, when you hear people's faith story, usually people do not talk about a what. And as much as it hurts my feelings, people don't go like, yeah, it was Matt's five sermons that really changed my faith. I never hear that. What I almost always hear is it was some people, it was a who, it was a person, it was a couple people. It was a few ladies, it was a few men. It was some couples that spoke into our life and moved our faith forward. Just just one more question, because I think this is so important. The question is, do you and me, do we have people like that in our lives? Do we have people that are are not just friends, because we got friends, you have friends, and if you had to be honest, you would probably say, some of my friends don't help my faith. Some of my friends hurt my faith. Some of my friends don't encourage me to be a better husband, a better wife, a better dad, a better Jesus father. The truth is, either they don't really care or they're like, you know, pointing me in a different direction. Do you have people in your life, some faith friends, that are cheering you on and helping you get to where you want to be, that they're there every day and you're there for them, that help you draw near to God, defeat sin, Hold on to hope when there's not a lot of hope around and to change the world. Do you have those friends? And those aren't easy people to come by, but we want to help you as a church. We want to help you journey down the road of finding people. And it's not easy. It doesn't work perfectly every time. But we have seen this happen in our church over and over and over again. And this fall, we're coming up for some new ways to do groups because what's happening is so fluid. We decided we're going to take a few flyers and try some different things that might be helpful to everybody in our church. And if you have any interest, even if you're a little curious at all about saying, you know what, I need to be informed about what I could be a part of as far as a let us situation, having some friends with my faith situation. Here's what I would love for you to do like right now. Would you text, and you know, we're always trying to text something, so we're making this as easy as we can. Would you text the word connect to 21,000? Would you consider doing that? And you're not like signed in, you gotta be part of a group, you don't even have to do anything. We would just like to communicate with you about what's available and what could be helpful for you and maybe help you find some people to move forward in those areas of our lives that we all need to go to the deeper end of the faith pool and find the better, deeper relationship with Jesus. I'm just here to tell you, I've been doing this a long time myself, not as a pastor, but just as a follower of Jesus. Without the people I've had in my life, I'm not sure I would have made it. I certainly wouldn't have made it to where I've gotten to be because I needed people along the way. I needed people to remind me of the last thing that we're gonna read from the writer of Hebrews when he says, hey guys, 
not giving up meeting together. And obviously, we, we think of big church with that, but this is your people not giving up meeting together, people that know you and you know them. As some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you consider, if you've never tried being a part of any kind of community at our church, would you consider signing up? You know, sending Connect to 21,000. If you tried a community here and it didn't work, hey, I'm sorry and I apologize. Listen, I've had bad meals that I didn't like, but I didn't quit eating, obviously. So would you try it again and see if you can't find a fit? If you're already in a group, would you consider ramping it up? Oh my gosh, I got so convicted. I'm one of the members of my community group we hadn't met in a little while, just texted the whole group, including me, like, hey, can we get back together? I'm like, guilty, we're meeting tonight. We're getting together because we need each other. And if your group hasn't met, start texting. Let's go, come on, come on. We, get, we need each other. This is a let us kind of thing. Our faith needs friends. Because ultimately, it's not just about friends. It's about knowing Jesus and people better. It's about love. It's about relationships. It's about what matters most. So text that number. Consider it. We'll grow together. In a second, we're going to sing a song about where we're building our life around. I don't want you just to think about building your life around Jesus. I want you to think about building your life around Jesus with other people that need you and you need them because he is the best thing in our lives. So let me pray for you and then we'll sing together. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful that it's like the writer of Hebrews knew exactly what I needed and what we need and help us to find people that can help us follow you and pursue you and chase after the love that you have as you chase after us. Thank you for the gift of relationships. Thank you for the people in our church and for thousands of years that have shown us the way and how to do this. And I just pray for the person that's out there that just really needs community, that through searching and chasing after it, they would find it. Thanks for your love and thanks for making this possible for all of us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.